0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, May 9th, 2021.
1: The Five T's of Discipleship, time together.
0: Well, good morning, Connection Church. Good morning uh, here and at home, wherever you may be. So this month, we're talking about the five T's of discipleship, five aspects of our lives that we need to pay attention to if we are going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, if we're going to draw closer to Jesus in our daily walks, if we are going to be truly, truly be act, uh, active participants and not just casual observers in the new life that Jesus offers us. So last week, Stephanie Griffin did an exceptional job, great job, Stephanie, as she shared with us the importance of um, transformational prayer. And uh, this morning, we are exploring the need for time together.
1: Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones.
0: I'm Alan Jones.
1: And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so happy to see you today. And I just want to take a moment, the Kring family, Chris and Jeff. Now, this is a really cool thing, and hi, rest of the family. So (laughs) the reason why... They have been online since last summer, watching, and lived in Middletown, but were waiting until it felt safe to show up and, today. And in
0: disciple class. and they're in
1: part of disciple last fall <laughs> and now. They've already met a lot of you online. And now this is your first Sunday in person. Welcome. I hope it feels good to be here. That's so good. And it's so good to see all of you here and all of you online. And I want to give a shout out to Ted Pulitzer. That new kidney's working, isn't it? Woo! 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 He sent me a very nurse picture that showed that his kidney was working in this bag. It was just glorious. <laughs> I just, I appreciated that as a nurse, yeah. Anyway. All right, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you so much for the joy of today. And now settle us in wherever we are right here, um, in our homes, if we're at work, if we're driving in a car, wherever, just help us um, remove the distractions so that we can focus on you and we pray this in jesus name amen
0: amen john reed john reed you may not recognize the name he's a fictional character and it's not the name he usually goes by story has it that back in the american old west john was part of a posse of six members of the texas rangers led by john's brother captain dan reed now this posse pursued a band of outlaws until they were betrayed by a civilian guide working for the outlaws who led them into an ambush, killing all the rangers except for John, leaving him as the lone ranger. There you go. Who, with the help of uh, his Native American frontanto, made it his life mission to capture the Cavendish gang, which he did, fighting for justice wherever needed along the way. Maybe you're familiar with the Lone Ranger from TV. I mean, I remember watching back when I was a kid. There you go. So, uh, TV books, comic books. There's a movie just as recent as 2013, I think. He's been called an enduring icon (laughs) of American culture and for good reason, he always conducted himself by a strict moral code, always above reproach.
1: Now, there are some in here who have never heard that song. Has it?
0: The William Tell Overture?
1: Devin, have you heard of that, of, Lim, of the limb ranger? Oh, you've heard of it. <laughs>
0: it's yeah. A, it's, yeah, isn't that the yeah. William Tell
1: Overture? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the William Tell, that's right. Yeah. All right. So like John Reed, we too are called to a strict moral code, to be above reproach. But, and this is a huge but, we are not called to be Lone Rangers. I will say that again. We are not called to be Lone Rangers. Actually, when we look very carefully at Scripture, we are called to be anything but that. From the very beginning the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, we find that being alone is not part of the plan. In the second chapter, God is quoted as saying that it's not good for man to be alone. And so he said that he would make man a helper, a companion, and proceeds to form from the dirt of the ground all the animals of the fields and the birds of the air, But none of them were a suitable companion. Mm. So God takes a rib from the man and proceeds to create woman, giving man the companion he so desperately needs.
0: Amen. But a mate was just the beginning of God's plan for community for human beings. Throughout the Old Testament, we are reminded that God created us as part of a larger body. A community of faith, beginning with the nuclear family, then to the extended family, then to the tribe, then to nation, and then to the entire world. We're not meant to be alone in this thing. A lone ranger is not our moniker.
1: In the Old Testament, in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, who is known to be the wisest man who ever lived. There's a reading that points us to this direction. Check it out, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, New Living Translation. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken.
0: Mm. Two are better than one. You know, we, we use this a lot at, at weddings, and, but you know, it, it, it's across the board. It's not just for married people, not just in marriage, but across the board. Two are better than one. God designed it that way. God knows best. And lone ranger is not, is not part of the plan. Time together is crucial. Two are better than one. And three, as this points out, three's better than two. Yeah. In our premarital discussions, the third strand we talk about is God. That's a pretty good strand, don't you think? Pretty good third strand. Yeah. For all of us.
1: Yeah. In all of our relationships. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. In the 10th chapter of Luke... Jesus sends out 72 of his followers, of his disciples, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. And Jesus did not send them out individually, like you go off by yourself and you go off by yourself. He sent them out in pairs. Once again, we are not called to be lone rangers. We are called to be in relationship with one another. And again, we are not talking marital. We are talking the body of Christ. There is strength when we work together to support each other, to lift one another up when things get challenging. Those who literally have each other's back, protecting them, whatever enemies are out there.
0: Going back to the Old Testament, we find a great story that shows just how important it is to have the support of those you're with. This is Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13, the New International Version. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on uh, top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset." that Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Wow.
1: This picture of Aaron and her holding up the hands of Moses when he got too tired to hold them up himself is so powerful. I remember a time, Alan, when our church was going through some stuff. It was probably with the land and with the building and with quotes that came in and, you know, so many obstacles that God turned into miracles. But it was so overwhelming and so tired. And I remember one night or one day we had a prayer meeting here and they sat us in this and they held up our arms and just prayed over us. And it was so beautiful and so symbolic that we aren't lone rangers leading this church. We are all in this together, Mm. brothers and sisters. In Christ. Holding each other's arms Holding up. Holding each other's arms up. <laughs> Thank you. to those of you who have held my arms up during the really good times and the really hard times. There's Amen. a lot of you in here. Thank you. God wants it that way. God gives us help through one another. And it's so important to not be too proud to accept that. In fact, pride is, I think, the greatest sin. The greatest sin. In the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, we are reminded of the importance of other people in our lives as we get ever closer to Christ in our own Christian discipleship. Check this out, Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day of Jesus's return approaching
0: You know, I find it I've always found it so interesting that on the one hand our salvation is a personal individual thing I can't save you you can't save me that's not how it operates and yet it's virtually impossible to grow closer to Christ to develop in our discipleship all by ourselves I need you, you need me, working together, sharing together, laughing together, crying together, encouraging one another, and challenging one another, lifting one another up, while at the same time holding each other accountable in our Christian journey. Being lone rangers is contrary to our development
1: as disciples of Jesus Christ. To be a disciple is to be filled with grace. And again, this does not happen in isolation, but with the help of those around us as we grow together. John Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, he shared this idea of different aspects of grace. Now, grace is God's unmerited love that we can't do anything about except to receive it. It is a gift. But one aspect of the grace is called provenient grace. Say provenient. Provenient. It's that grace that God shares before we even realize it. It's that love that we experience before we understand what it's all about. It's a first step. It's It's a wooing into relationship with God. And so that's kind of what Uh, Abigail's baptism is she absolutely had no clue about what was going on and (laughs) thought she wanted it and then she didn't like it but that'll preach
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God was aware of it (laughs) God
1: she could have thrown a full-blown tantrum on this platform and God was gonna love her anyway and continued to woo her into a relationship with help now she's in the nursery now and she's getting loved on and that's part of all this (laughs) as you receive the word of god and that's part of all this god's work god's love and action provenient grace Mm. we have a responsibility to help others receive Mm. and understand what Mm. grace is all about
0: this is the parents pledge to raise that's part of our responsibility also as a body of christ to help raise these children so that they can take that on for themselves amen amen no lone rangers. No lone rangers. So then, from prevenient grace, we come to what the uh, Wesley called justifying grace or justification. That—that's the point. Justified is where you know in the newspaper they call it justified type because it's made right. It's—it's it's right on. It's—it's it's even. It's—it's it's justified is to be made right. It's when we say yes to that saving grace that Jesus Christ offers to us. And if you have said yes, <clears throat> chances are pretty good there were people in your life. It helped lead you to that point of saying yes. It's doubtful that you were in complete isolation for that to happen. You know, it's part of God's plan. People don't save you. Other people don't say only Jesus Christ can save you. But God uses those around us to help bring you to accepting that saving grace of Jesus Christ for yourself. No lone rangers.
1: And so we have prevenient grace, that wooing grace. We have that justifying grace, that point where we realize, yes, God does love me, and I'm different, and I want to walk it out in a new way with Jesus leading me, and that's what sanctifying grace is, being sanctified, sanctification. Sanctification is the process through which the Holy Spirit that resides and lives in us draws us ever closer to Jesus. And there's a holy, you know, God is absolutely holy and God wants us to experience and live out that holiness as well, to be imitators of Jesus. Sanctification is what we go through as disciples of Jesus. Being a disciple basically means, as I said a moment ago, being an imitator of Jesus looking more and more like him, the more we get to know him, the more we reflect him. It's like when you hang out with somebody, you know, you kind of, if you do it a lot, you sort of end up taking on each other's traits. Well, that happens with Jesus too. The longer we hang out with Jesus, the more Jesus like gets in deep. So sanctification and discipleship go hand in hand. And both of them involve a little help from our friends, people around us, and the help of those whom God has put into our lives to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us, to correct us. Doesn't feel good, but it's important to have those people who can speak truth into our lives as well. We are in this together. No lone rangers.
0: Mm. And so there were three aspects of grace that we just talked about, but there are also three levels through which we live this out. And on the one level, we have those people in our lives who we're very, very close to, we're intimate with, we share everything with them. It's usually maybe one, two, maybe three people who we get really close to. You you know, the ones that you can just absolutely count on, the ones you can... uh, be vulnerable with. Tell them those dark, those sides of you that you don't want everybody to know. The, the ones that you aren't afraid to call out and aren't afraid to call you out. We're reminded of this, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, As iron sharpens iron, iron so one person sharpens another. These are the sharpeners <laughs> in our lives. Jesus is a good, good model for us. You know, he had Disciple, but he had that inner circle of disciples peter james and john those three guys who it was just more intimate more special time closer with them jesus relied on them and shared with them things that he didn't share with the others and it's important to have a peter james and john in our lives as well
1: and so the next level is what here at connection we call the small group level, and that may be four to 12, perhaps, you know, those numbers aren't hard and fast. And those are people that meet regularly together that we can count on, that we share joys and challenges with. Michelle talked about that in her testimony, things that we can bounce things off of, who aren't afraid to tell us when we're Messing up, not afraid to hold us accountable. This would be a group where we would study scripture with. We'd look for encouragement, um, accountability again, and that we might even do life with. Some can be study groups like Disciple, where we might not share exactly what's going on in our life, but we sure do go, go deep in the scripture together. And it's short-term. Small groups look all different ways. There isn't a one-size-fits-all. This is um, the kind of group that uh, when somebody tells us uh, uh, so-and-so is having surgery on June 1st, they've already talked about it and they're just informing us what's going on so that we can pray. I mean, they're already there first on the scene. Yeah, it's the group that when somebody's battling some kind of a challenge, um, they're there, they're supporting, they're praying. And again, uh, the model for this is Jesus and his small group, and that consisted of 12 disciples. Wow, that's awesome. Now, they actually live together. I don't live with my small group in a house, but we do live together in our hearts, and it's very cool. The disciples shared everything together, caring and sharing and daring, and I'm sure that they did not always agree <laughs> on everything, but they worked it out, and they lived life together, encouraging and holding one another accountable. I'm not sure they held Jesus accountable, but they probably worked on each other together. Well,
0: Peter tried when he said, no, that can't happen to you, Lord, and he says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, me. So that didn't work you out You have to care well. when you're trying to do that. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, we get together in large group settings, like today. Again, throughout Scripture, we we find God's uh, people meeting in large group, most often in worship, uh, to praise God, to sing His praise and to hear His Word. And you know, as we found through this COVID experience, we can worship in our individual places, we've done that, online, some here, some there. And again there is nothing that can take the place of being here together in person. Nothing can take the place of that. In one place joining our very voices as we sing the songs, as we shout the praises, as we share in the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a reason that God created the church. It's not our create, God created the church, and why at some point and that's not the building but the people, the gathering together in worship and that's why it's so important for us to gather together in person as the body of christ reminds us here of psalm 100 psalm 100
1: shout for joy to the lord all the earth worship the lord with gladness gosh it was so fun to worship to child of love this morning just that unabashed worship of jesus generations.
0: Amen, amen. And again, Jesus is our model. Here's what we read in Luke, Luke 4.16. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Here's the key. As was his custom. The Son of God, his custom was to go on Sabbath, what was the equivalent of our Sunday morning, he went to church. Yeah important for Jesus, if it was important for Jesus to make the routine of going to church, it's certainly important for us. But again again, we're preaching to the choir here, aren't we? <laughs> um, since you're all here today, our, our hope is that, that this is a, I want to say habit, because habits you do without thinking, it becomes a custom, not even routine, but a custom, a part of your, part of your uh, living experience. Uh, Sunday to be here together if at all possible.
1: Time together. We are just coming out of a time when we all felt so isolated. Can we think back a year ago where we were in sheltering in place (laughs) and I know as a church, you know, Barry Allen and I, you know, we showed up and Barry tried to make us feel good as we were preaching to a camera. He had like people's faces and names taped to the seats because we needed each other we needed and it just couldn't be and then july came and we began to gradually you know open and today two services and kids in the back and that is like i mean it's been such a long road but i think it just lets us know how much we need time together and we need each other because it is so encouraging to be able to have contact we are not designed to be isolated from one another. And so even if we can't be together physically, and I know that there are situations where it's not good, it's not safe, or there's reasons why we can't, that's okay, we gotta figure out how to still be in relationship with one another through phone calls, through short-term visits, through the internet. I am thankful that you guys are all on the other side of this that you can worship with us. And we just want to encourage all of us to spur one another on in love, as the scripture says. And part of our discipleship growing in Christ is time together. That's the good news of the scripture. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you for this opportunity to share your word, to share uh, Psalm 100. Worship the Lord with gladness. Your love endures forever. To share the scripture in Hebrews about spurring one another on in love. To share the scripture in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. And the three-chord strand where, Lord, you are part of us and part of our relationships, we pray. And the iron sharpens iron. Lord, the most important thing for us to do in all of this is to make room for you. Make room for you. Make room for your Holy Spirit in our hearts so that we can grow in our love and devotion, grow in our discipleship, and grow together in your love, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for our podcast.